Pastor Xavier Reese says a relationship with Jesus isn't a killjoy, rather the giver of life. What is it that is so valuable to you that you would forsake all of eternity with God? What is it that fulfills you so much that you are willing to sacrifice all that God has for you? And yet men and women make that decision daily to choose for the temporal and to forsake and sacrifice the eternal. Welcome to Simple Truths, the daily half-hour study of God's Word with Xavier Reese, Senior Pastor of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California. When traveling by car, sometimes the most proper decision to make in assuring your arrival is to practice yielding. And so it is with a relationship with Jesus Christ. There are certain signposts we may come to in our walk with the Lord that He asks us to yield to His leading in our life. Let's listen now as Pastor Xavier draws this simple truth from our continuing series in the Gospel of Mark. Mark chapter 5, verses 1 through 20. We're going to be looking at the passage of the demoniac at Gadara. An interesting passage. Not only a picture of a man spiritually lost, but one who has been completely possessed by the power of Satan. Notice in verse 1, the place was the district of Gadara in the southeast shore of the Sea of Galilee. There were Jews living in the area. It was predominantly Greek, but there were Jews scattered all throughout. We are not told whether this man was a Greek or whether he was a Jew. The man was possessed with an unclean spirit, verse 2 tells us. He was demon-possessed. Luke 8.27 says he had no clothes. He was naked and mad. Verse 5 says he was dangerous to himself. He cried out, cutting himself with stones. Satan's tactics are always to destroy your life and mine. Maybe you don't see yourself as possessed, but Satan would still like to possess parts of your life. I'm not talking about demon possession. I'm talking about being enchained and enslaved. And though Satan would want to keep you bound, Jesus wants to set you free. You are unable to loosen the chains, but you are able to say, break my chains, Lord. And so don't look at this man and say, how does he apply to me? Because so often we can add gashes and hacking scars to our own lives spiritually because we don't allow God to take full possession of all areas of our life. And so there is a parallel here between this man who does not know God, who's possessed by Satan, and even us who are Christians, that as this man was totally possessed by the demons, we are to be totally possessed by the Holy Spirit of God in every area of our life. Every area. The conversation with the man is found in verses 6 through 13. He says, but when he saw Jesus from afar, he ran and worshipped him. The man worshipped him afar off. He saw him. He scrutinized him, recognizing who he was. Who was he? Who was the son of God? Philippians 2.10 says that the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow. Here you have a perfect example of that. Because he recognized one superior to him. In verse 7, the man called Jesus 
son of the most high God. Now many say Jesus never declared to be God. I differ with that statement. Demons confess him to be God. Jesus said, I'm the son of God. And the Pharisees crucified him because he declared himself to be the son of God. He says, I implore you by God that you do not torment me. The word implore means take an oath. Torment is a word that is used for testing metals. And then it becomes uh, used for testing of one by torture. You see, here you have an unclean spirit, one who is totally unholy. Here you have the Son of God who is totally holy. And that is enough torture before a holy God. Jesus isn't doing anything, but unholiness cannot stand in holiness with any comfort. There's no way. That's why you and I, when we fall into sin, when we're not being obedient to God, we're not comfortable before God. There is conviction. Why? Because we stand before an awesome and holy God. And that's an evidence that we're born again and the Holy Spirit of God convicts us and draws us to himself that we might continually use that cleansing blood of Christ, that we might continually use him as our lawyer for the defense. That we might keep our life in short accounts just like you keep your checkbook balanced. The minute you write that check, you balance it out, you keep short accounts. But if you happen to run your Christian life the way you do run your checkbook, write 10 checks and don't balance it, then you get in trouble. Do it one check at a time. And you always know where you're at. In verses 8 and 9, Jesus commands the unclean spirit to leave. Come out of that man, unclean spirit. And then he asks him, what is your name? Now, some teach from this statement that the way to cast out demons is to ask the demon his name. And then when he tells you his name, then you can command him in the name of Jesus to come out. I don't find that anywhere in scripture. First of all, demons are liars. How do you know he's telling you the truth? You're going to give him a lie detector test? Then what is Jesus asking? I believe he's asking the man what his name is. But the demon is the one who speaks. He says, my name is Legion, for we are many. A Roman legion has 6,826 men. Are we to conclude and say absolutely that this man has 6,826 demons? I don't think so. Is it possible? Anything is possible. <laughs> Does it matter? No. The man is possessed. Whether you're possessed by one or by a thousand, it makes no difference. You're possessed. The exact number is irrelevant. Notice in verse 10 that he begged them earnestly that he would not send them out of the country. Now, Luke helps us out and he tells us in Luke 8.31 that the demon asked not to be sent to the abyssal or the bottomless pit. The same word that is used in Revelation 20 verse 1 where Satan will be bound for a thousand years. It's the place of incarceration of evil spirits. Apparently they don't want to go there. 
And here, they're asking permission. Please note that. In verse 10 through 12, they are asking permission to leave. And they are begging not to be sent to the abyssal. In verse 13, Jesus gives that permission to the demons and says, And at once Jesus gave them permission. Then the unclean spirit went out and entered the swine. And there were 2,000. And the herd ran violently down the steep place into the sea and drowned in the sea. And so we see here Jesus exercising authority over these demon beings, spirits. But notice beginning verse 14, we have the counteraction of the men. Jesus has done a tremendous work. He has set this man free. But natural men do not see it as a good work. Natural men don't see the deliverance of suffering and agony of this man. What they see is the loss of possessions. They see someone who has invaded their territory. Someone who has brought ruin to their commerce. Now those who fed the swine, they told it to the city and in the country, and they went out to see it that what had happened. Then they came to Jesus and saw the one who had been demon-possessed and had had the legion sitting clothed and in his right mind, and they were afraid. (laughs) They freaked out. This guy is clothed. He's sitting there having an intelligent conversation with Jesus and the disciples. And let me ask you, where did he get the clothes? Jesus didn't carry a suitcase. Neither the disciples. Could it be that they did exactly what Jesus taught? To give their cloak to their brother? And these guys are looking at him. And they can't figure it out. Isn't it true people look at you and they can't figure you out? People you used to hang out with. People that used to know you. And they say, I don't know what's happened to him. I'm trying to figure it out. But before, you know, he was the life of the party. She was the life of the party. Man, we had such a blast. But now, you've taken that which they clung to away from them. And they can't figure it out. And they're not that happy about you being with Christ. Because they see a sense of loss for them. And it brings conviction to their own life. They're very uncomfortable. And so they say, well, you know, don't talk to John because you get around him, he'll make you a Jesus freak. Be careful, man. Verse 16, those who saw it told him how it had happened to him who had been demon-possessed and about the pig. So now they make the connection in verse 16 between the person who is clothed and sane and the pigs who are destroyed. This doesn't go over too well because they see the loss of commerce. Now, it was predominantly a Greek area, but there were many Jews who lived in the region. According to the Levitical law, no Jews could raise pigs or eat pig. And so in verse 17, they began to plead with Jesus to depart from the region. What a sad thing it is that 
men would turn their backs on Jesus and reject the message and reject the evidence that God would give to them to draw them to salvation because it cost them financially, because it cost them socially. And many people do. They say, well, you know, if I become a Christian, then I can't, I have to claim all my money. You know, I, I, I take $10,000 under the table every year. <laughs> if I claim those 10000 man, I'm dead. That's true. Well, you know, I can't be a Christian because then I, I, you know, I, I can't subscribe to Playboy anymore. That's true. It will cost you. Whether it be financially. I mean, I could make some bucks if I wasn't a Christian. <laughs> And Uncle Sam would never know it. But I'm a Christian. And so I give to Caesar what belongs to Caesar and I give him no more. But I realize that I live in this world, it's going to cost me. Financially, socially, physically. I'm not of the world, man. And neither are you. And those are the tensions that we live with. Now maybe you're here this morning and you don't know Jesus Christ. And you've heard the message over and over again. And you've seen God touch the life of many of your friends and different individuals. But yet you, you consider, well, you know, I mean, they had to give up this. They had to give up. They don't do this anymore. Hey, I don't want that. It's your choice. What is it that is so valuable to you that you would forsake all of eternity with God? What is it that feels so good? What is it that brings you so much pleasure? What is it that fulfills you so much that you are willing to sacrifice all that God has for you for 60, 70, and 80 years? When you compare that number of years to eternity, it's really not even a comparison. And yet men and women make that decision daily to choose for the temporal and to forsake and sacrifice the eternal. Such were these individuals. They looked at Jesus as a threat to their life. They looked at Jesus as a threat to their existence. To being their own gods, their own people, to run their own lives. And many people look at Jesus simply in that way. He's a killjoy. He doesn't want you to have fun. You know, God's a guy who's up there with a club, and he's just ready to wipe you out. And, and, and when he sees you get out of line, he says, uh, Gabe, give me the club. Uh-uh. God wants you to live abundantly. Abundantly. Verse 18 through 20, you have the commissioning of the man. And when he got into the boat... He who had been demon-possessed begged him that he might go with him. But Jesus did not permit him. But he said, go home to your friends, literally folks or family, and tell them what great things the Lord has done for you and how he has had compassion on you. And he departed and began to proclaim in the capitalist all that Jesus had done for him. And all marveled. First, Jesus did not permit to follow him. Jesus had already picked the 12, and that's all he had to be with him. 
but he did not exclude him from being a disciple. But he sent him home. Now, some of you have such a tremendous testimony, but you've never shared with others what God has done for you. Some of you have such a tremendous testimony of God's power in your life, and you're not allowing it to bring people to Christ. God first sends you back to your home. You're a missionary first in Jerusalem. This man was probably divorced by now. I can just see his family as they see him afar off. And, and if his wife was still around, she said, oh, come on, kids, let's get out of here. Here comes this crazy madman. Let's go. But the longer she looked, she noticed something different about him. <laughs> he wasn't acting the same. You see, God wants to send you back home. I just came back from Mexico City. My grandmother just died Monday morning. She was going to be 96. I really thought she was, wasn't going to die. But every one of us has to die. Our family is real Catholic in Mexico City. And um, they have rejected the gospel of Christ so much. And as we were doing the funeral, I just shared the love of God and what God had done in my grandma's life. And how at the age of 78, she had turned from idolatry and Catholicism. And she depended just on her Bible and the Spirit of God. And how we often talked the last five, six years about how God was be calling her home pretty soon. And the Lord was faithful because he took her in her sleep. But I fear lest many of my relatives have hardened their heart because of their religiosity. And that it will be too late for them. And all you can do is share what God has done with a broken heart and with God's love. And continue to pray that that seed fall on good ground. God sent him back to his home first. To share the great things the Lord had done. And secondly, how he had had compassion on him. The word compassion is to feel sympathy with the misery of another. And to manifest itself in action. That means that Jesus put himself in the position of that demon-possessed person. And he felt his hurts. He felt his desperation. He felt his anxieties. He felt his misery. And because of that, he came to his rescue. Now, anytime we try to help others apart from compassion... It will be an intellectual ascent to them without a heartfelt reality. That is why we have such a hard time forgiving. Because we take an intellectual approach and say, I forgive you. But there is no compassion. There is no attempt. There is no reality in putting myself in the situation of that person to feel the hurt, the pain, the regret. The anxiety. Only when you come with a compassionate heart can it become a reality. And as we read the Gospels, it always says, And Jesus looked upon the multitudes who were as sheep at having no shepherd, and he had compassion upon them. This is the work of God that he desires to do in your life and mine. A constant tension that we live in because our heart is deceitfully wicked. Our heart is so evil that at times we don't want to yield. 
And when we yield so easily, it's usually because we can handle it on our own strength. We don't like to be dependent. We like to be independent. We don't like to admit that we need help or need God's strength. Oh, we say it, but we don't like to yield to it. Because then God gets the glory and not me. And so the lesson from this demoniac is very, very applicable to me this morning. As a matter of fact, too applicable to me. And so he departed. And he began to caruso, proclaim as a herald, throughout the ten cities, nine on the Transjordan, one on the other side, the, east, the west side, and began to proclaim the good news of Jesus Christ. And all marveled. Later on, we're going to see as we move on in the Gospel of Mark that this man set the foundation for Jesus as he returned, and many received him. What an important place you and I play in the role of our families to come to Christ. I think of God's hand upon my own life, having grace and mercy over my life. And he took me and he saved me. And he called me. And he brought my beautiful wife, Judy, to me as she signed up to take Kung Fu. She came to the Lord. Judy's sister came to live with us. She came to the Lord. Judy's other sister came to live with us also for a while. She came to the Lord. My parents, 10 years later, came to the Lord. Many of my Kung Fu students came to the Lord. <laughs> oh, the grace of God. He desires to use you more than you will ever know. But it'll cost you everything. Make no mistake, it doesn't come cheap. But he doesn't deceive you. He lays all the cards on the table. He says, I want to take you naked, out of your mind, and clothe you and make you saint. How about it? You may know Jesus Christ this morning, but what's going on in your life? You need to lift your heart to the Lord and let him have it. And you need to exercise the will of your mind to get your eyes on Jesus and press towards the mark. Because God is not only interested in saving you, he's interested in using you. That as God has freely given to you his grace, you may impart it to others. That is the gospel of Jesus Christ. The gospel of love, the gospel of compassion. There is no other. And so I pray that we would be a vessel of honor here in Pasadena. That we would be known for our love, for our brokenness of heart and spirit. That we can embrace anyone and everyone. That we would take every opportunity to share the love and to walk through doors that some say, well, I don't want to walk through. And that we would see God miraculously work through regular, common, ordinary people. No super spirits here. Just regular people. And that's all that God wants to use. That's all that God can use. And so I pray that you open your heart to Christ. Let him clothe you. 
Let him give you a sane mind and then let him use you. Pastor Xavier Reese, urging us to place our life in the hands of the one who is able to make all things possible. Now, just before we close, let me mention that copies of today's Simple Truths message titled Clothed and Sane Because of Compassion are available on CD for just $4. And this will also include everything Pastor Xavier shared the last time we were together as well. So once again, the title to ask for is simply Clothed and Sane Because of Compassion. Or just mention today's date. You can request your copy by writing Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. Or to make your request by phone, call 800-926-1485. Again, that's 800-926-1485. Or the address once again is Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. And thanks for mentioning the call letters of this station when you get in touch. This helps us track the effectiveness of this ministry in your area. And then join us for more Simple Truths next time with Pastor Xavier Reese. Simple Truths with Pastor Xavier Reese, a daily half-hour broadcast, is a radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California. www.calvarychapelpasadena.com 